lots of people that live in a place enjoy it so much and then they want to close the door behind them for other people to come enjoy the same thing. That's the balancing act. So if you're not growing in a city, you are eventually dying. You're, you're shrinking very slowly and you might not even know it. It's like death by a thousand paper cuts. You're listening to On The Real Estate, hosted by Adcock Real Estate Services. This podcast is for real estate agents of any level, buyers, sellers, or anyone who's interested in learning more about this crazy industry. I'm Kelly Dubois, and today our guest is Chet Mann with CMG Home Loans. Chet, I read your um, bio and resume, and it's extremely lengthy. I was exhausted reading it. Sorry about that. He's kind of an overachiever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Been doing things a long time. Yeah, but I noticed some great things. And my first question we're going to jump on into is, I noticed that you had a few careers. Mm -hmm. I feel that I have done that myself. And the first is that you owned a welding company for 20 years, and then you ended up selling to a publicly owned company. You then shifted into lending. While you were shifting into a whole new career path, you also went and became the mayor of Sanford. What did you learn about the housing market and home lending as mayor? I learned a lot. I learned a lot about development and and how hard it is and and what the process is to to develop a town or develop a, a neighborhood or a community. And a whole lot of planning goes into it. But I learned that all real estate is local. And the housing markets that are growing are really where the cities are growing. And job creation is what brings the growth. It's what brings the rooftops. And, you know, you can try for years as a mayor to bring companies or, or bring homes and, and developers to your, to your community. But if you're not growing, you're not creating jobs, it's a very difficult task, unless you're within an easy commute distance of a metro area where it's easier to be a suburb or a bedroom community and drive in. So we didn't want to be that. We didn't want people to come to Sanford, spend the night, and just all go to Raleigh to work. We love our Raleigh friends, but so we learned that as you create jobs, the development comes to you. And so that's kind of what I learned as mayor as it relates to the housing market. And, and the cities that have um, really been growing are the ones that have been able to create the jobs and have uh, some vitality to them so that the housing market is a lot more vibrant there than it would be at other places. And you grew up in Sanford, born yeah. and raised. Born and raised, fourth generation, believe it or not. I would imagine as a lender, you work with a ton of different agents mm-hmm. in the lending part. What is one of the suggestions or a couple of suggestions that you would give to relatively newer agents or agents that would need guidance Yeah, um, that would be something helpful for them? Well, after 14 years of doing it, I, I have kind of uh, learned a few things and, and you know, I, I do work with a lot of people and I enjoy it. I, I love working with realtors. I love working with people to help others uh, obtain their goals. It is nothing like closing a loan, as you know, closing a sale and seeing somebody, you know, realize the dream of owning a home, especially yeah. the first time. You changed their life. Yeah, I mean, to them, you helped yeah. take them. And then sometimes, you know, later people work really hard so they can uh, buy a second home or investment property and you're helping them attain those goals. And, right. and so I would say to the newer agents out there, my observation is, don't get into real estate because you think it's easy. You can get into it because you think it's flexible. It is. And Kelly, I'm preaching to the choir. I mean, you can set I your own schedule I sometimes. I don't know but. if I think that real estate is really that. Well, you can sometimes set your own schedule, yeah. but you we're work when your clock. client works. Yeah, you're not punching the clock, right. but you can sort of say yes or no to when we're going to meet sometimes. But I think more importantly, 
if you are getting into real estate as a new agent, you need to really treat it like a business. And I see so many people that enter real estate, and I see it because of the way they interact with me, that they don't really have a daily sales process. Mm. And if you don't have a daily process, then you're going to kind of let the tail wag the dog. And um, you really you need to treat it like a business. So my biggest advice, to, and I always, if they ask, I'll always sit down with them and help them with a, understanding a daily sales plan. And having that daily sales plan, something you're going to do every day at a certain time, no matter what. But I see so many will get a deal, close a deal, and then they'll t- take time off between the deals. And, um, you know, they're going to have that roller coaster effect all the time. So that's one of the biggest advices I would say. And I think the other one, uh, the, one of the other things I think is important for new agents, but all agents, is to um, try to be less transactional and try to be more relationship-based. And that not only with your customers, but with your vendor partners, you know, with your, with your, with your lenders, with your, you know, whoever it is in your network and try to build a network based on, you know, trust and likability and, you know, knowing that that person is going to be available and accessible to you. I, I see so many, especially young agents, they're just more transactional. They're waiting for the phone to ring. They're going to go all in on the deal, but then they kind of forget the client after it closes. They really don't develop any kind of referral network along the way. And we've always felt like there's three more sales to be made for every loan or sale that we close. Over the next 18 months, we should be able to get three referrals from the person we closed, you and I together, if we do it right. And I think a lot of people forget that in the business, especially when they're young. I agree. Or new. I agree. I think that anything, well, I am a firm believer that people are disposable. It's very, very easy to forget or replace somebody. Right. So you need to do the best you can to not be or make somebody feel like you're adding value and you're going to give them a little bit more than somebody else might. Right. And that's how you're going to stay more competitive and fresh in the game. But truthfully, 89% of real estate agents don't practice real estate after getting their license within the first 12 months. Wow. That's, that's huge. So you can't wait for things to happen. You have to be the one to make it happen because most people know three real estate agents. Yep. You know, so it's like, why are you setting yourself apart? I love what you said. And I can tell you, Kelly's a top producer because, you know, you can just hear what what her words are. You know, you need to understand your value and it's more than just closing the deal in front of you. And why would somebody choose you to work with? Yeah. And what do you bring to the table other than that? Because the truth of it is, no matter how much your your parents have told you that you're special, you're really not. <laughs> yeah. You are maybe at best average. So you better learn real quick how to set yourself apart and become special to that individual client because exactly. you're going to just get lost in yeah. the sea of real estate agents or lenders or, yeah. you know, whatever it is. I think the biggest thing that I've learned that a lot of agents still don't understand and even experienced agents don't always understand is that, um, you know, today getting a mortgage, and this is a really what they don't understand about a lender, is that today getting a mortgage, it doesn't matter if you have an 800 credit score and a million dollars in the bank. The lending industry doesn't care about that. What they care about, whether it's right or wrong, since the Dodd-Frank Reform Act in 2010, the Financial Reform Act, is the ability to repay. And everything that a person states on their application has to be verified and documented. And I think the biggest misnomer or the biggest stress between a lender and a realtor happens when we can't get the customer 
to comply with the request mm. for verification and documentation of all the things that they have stated about themselves that we have to verify and document because it doesn't matter if they have an 800 score and they are the best people in town. You know, we have got to make sure in order to sell that loan that it is verifiable and documentable. And so we, some people resent or push back from that process. So in the real estate world, <laughs> we have a saying, and it's no disrespect or uh, nothing personal, but it is buyers are liars. <laughs> and <laughs> it's because whenever you first talk to a buyer, oh yeah, we make $100,000 a year. Our credit score is 700. We, you know, all of our ducks in a row were amazing, which people tend to make themselves sound a little bit more together than they really are. Right. I do it. Sure, I, and we all do. I'm a hot mess express, but I'm like, no, I am amazing today. Exactly. I can do this. So exactly. you, you're selling yourself. And that's good. That's your Nobody confidence. Nobody shows their awards and flaws to That's everybody. right. Yeah. That's right. That's your confidence right there. Yeah. The thing is, though, people, <laughs> I love the confidence and I love that you're selling yourself and, you know, you're making yourself sound a little bit maybe better than what the facts are. <laughs> but your opinion is not of yourself and rounding up substantially is not, is not a real thing here. So if, right. if you're saying you're making a hundred thousand dollars and we look and it's really $60,000 and you round it up cause it's over 50, that's not the same thing. Yep. We don't care what you make. It's not, it's not us. I'm not making, yeah, I'm not, not making their mortgage. I'm not living with them. Yeah. I have no skin in their game, but you will get found out. So sure. just the transparency right off the bat. Right. And there's zero judgment. And I think that that's really hard because people kind of feel like, well, if, if they're struggling and they have maybe like a 600 credit score or they filed for bankruptcy, right. had a foreclosure, right? life happens. But if you're transparent, we can help you fix that. Yeah. What we need to know as a, as a team here, you and I as a realtor and a lender working together which is always better, is that we, we don't care what the story is. We just need to know how to fix it for you yeah, and how to put the puzzle together. Because I look at every lender, I mean, every customer that you refer to me as a puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to put those pieces together. And the hard part or the frustrating part for the customer and then sometimes the realtor is they don't understand the necessity and sometimes the time delay of, you know, well, you got this $6,000 check that came in out of nowhere, or maybe you deposited $4,000 in cash well, we have to source that. We have to know where that came from because there are times where someone has given you that money fraudulently so that you can approve. And that's very rare. But the industry doesn't care that Kelly Dubois is an upstanding citizen and she would never commit fraud. We have to prove that she didn't. Yeah, so it's, that, not that's it's not it's personal. It's not personal, but it is very human nature to take it. So our biggest frustration working together with realtors and lenders, especially if we're working with a, a realtor or a realtor working with a lender, they don't know is they don't understand the delay. They don't know what's going on. So they just assume that there's a bad process. Sometimes it is the customer that's causing the process to slow down. I'm going to be honest. I've done a lot of transactions and, and I say it again, we're, we're not attacking, but I would say it's about a 50, 50. I mean, 50% of the time, it's you. It's not me. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's you because you don't know where your taxes are from three years ago. Yeah. It's you because. And that's okay. Yeah. We just want to help you. We just want to, we'll guide you. <laughs> Let us help you. Exactly. But I think young agents, you mentioned the young agents, that's what they struggle the most with. It just seems like it should be so easy to get your bank statements and your tax returns and your W-2s. What's the problem? The problem is you're a truck driver who owns his own truck. You're self-employed, 
You make 200000 you say, on your application. But when we get your tax returns two weeks later after begging for them every day, we find out that you depreciate and write off $100,000 of your income, which is fine. But now we only have $100,000 of usable income, which might make it hard to buy the half a million dollar house. We could have bought it at 200000 of income, but now we've got a whole different story. So we have to work and scramble and fix that. That's right. Yeah. So. And people don't understand that. That's that could be a whole nother That's a class. episode talking <laughs> like, about uh, econ if you're like for, a, for lending. a 1099, yeah, you know, how to pay yourself contractor. and how to get loans with that because yeah. that's harder too. Always give your lender a call maybe before you think about going under contract just to be sure <clears throat> that you know, there's no pitfalls. Before going under contract, call the lender? Or before applying even. That'd be, Listen, should say. I, maybe even it, a year before you apply. I... <laughs> I think I, I try really hard to be very nice and accommodating to my clients, but you're great. Your clients. I don't show a house without my clients talking to a lender, yeah. and it's not because I don't want to be inconvenienced or waste my time. That's not true at all. Because I love looking at houses. I am extremely nosy. I love <laughs> seeing people's decorating styles or lack thereof. Sure. So I'm happy going in and checking out a house anytime at any price point. Here's where I always tell my clients that are calling for the first time saying, we want to look at this house. Have you talked to a lender? No. Okay, well, we are going to do that. Why? I just want to look at it. Mm -mm. If you want to look, you're calling me and telling me you want to look at a house that is $450,000 and you love it and it's amazing. And it is. I've seen the pictures. It's so great. But now you look, I show you that house. We go and look at it. You love that house. And then you talk to the lender after the fact. And now you have a, the lender comes back and says, okay, great. You know, your credit, blah, blah, blah. We got everything done. You have a prequal for $300,000. You are never going to like another house I show you. <laughs> right. Because you just looked at a house $150,000 more than your price point. And a $450,000 house and a $300,000 house are going to have completely different things. Sure. Now, you could make that $300,000 house look like the $400,000 house with money into it, but it's going to not make the shopping experience as much fun. Yeah. And, and you do a great job of setting your expectations. I think one of the biggest things I see all of us do in this industry, in the mortgage and real estate, is not set proper expectations. And when you allow your customer to run with their expectations, you're not really doing them a service. You are always, you've always been good about setting proper expectations. Let's don't go looking for champagne on a beer budget. Because I love champagne. <laughs> yeah. Like I know me. I identify as wealthy. So <laughs> I I want to, I get that we want the the bougier things, but we do have to stay within where we're at at that moment. And if you don't like where you're at at that moment, say you know, I work with a lot of clients and they're not happy with where their prequal is. Then I say, then let's wait. Let's revisit yeah. in six months. Let's see if we can get your credit score up. Let's see if you're going to get a True. raise. Let, let's figure it out. Buying a house is not the same as buying a shirt. You cannot return it in <laughs> right. six months. So yeah. wait to buy what you really And you there's really nothing like wrong there. with going back to kind of how our parents raised us and you kind of work up to it. You know, we used to have a little term when I was growing up. My dad would say, you equity up. Yeah. So you buy a $300,000 house and sell it for four hundred dollars or three fifty, dollars and then you buy $450,000. And by the time you get to retirement where you can pay it off, you've gotten to the, the level that you've always dreamed of. Yeah. But people today, especially younger folks, 
for whatever reason, you know, society, I don't know, but they want to go for the, the forever home as their first home sometimes. And it's just, it doesn't, it just doesn't seem to balance, yeah. you know, with reality. So, I get, I get that they want it, but it's not that point. Right. That's, There's nothing wrong with starting yeah. at a lower level yeah. and working your way Work up to it. Work for it. Yeah. Then you're going to really appreciate Kinda it. Kind of how me and my wife did. Yeah. <laughs> What advice would you give to people in general that are thinking about moving, especially with interest rates right now, or um, a lot of people think that we're kind of not as stable as we were. So whether first time home buyers or people that have, have an existing house, house that they're thinking about selling, what's the best advice that you would give right now to con- uh, any consumers? Yeah. Well, first of all, that's a great question. There's going to be lots of different answers on that, but you know, I, I'm a believer in America. I always have been. Whatever problems we're having, they'll go away. We always come out on top. You know, we're the greatest country in the history of the world. I, I'm not afraid of bank failures. I'm not afraid of the end of the world kind of stuff. I think if you can afford it, and that's the question is, you know, where are you in life? Do you have a nice cash reserve? Do you have six months of expenses set aside for anything that could happen to you? And if you do and you want to buy, you should buy. I mean, Right now, the, in real estate is a super investment, even no matter what the interest rate. I don't like to see the interest rate being the defi- deciding factor for it because we know, and I've done lots of presentations and seminars on this, we know that we're in some sort of high inflationary, recessionary time. And we've been here a dozen times in the 20th century to, to now in the 21st century. And at every and each one of those times of high inflation, even back in the 80s when we had the, the all-time yeah, 18% Fed rate, where mortgage rates were in the 14 and 15%. As soon as we got on the top of the hill, or we crested inflation, which we have done now, you see every single time this pronounced drop in mortgage rates. So you see a lot of movement out of equities. I'm not saying that the equity markets recover as fast, but when those mortgage rates, which are tied to bonds, fall when inflation falls, and they will again, you're going to see a big run in, in um uh, real estate. It, history will not change. It will repeat itself again. So, you know, the thing is you could wait and not list your house for sale and you could wait until rates drop to do so or to buy a house. But the problem with that is you'll have missed that year of, uh, that year of appreciation. You just made a comment. You bought your house at the perfect time. Maybe you weren't timing the market. You really can't, but you bought it low and look what your appreciation has been even through now is still very high. So, you know, if you're able to, my advice is you should. We'll refinance the whole country again probably within a year, year and a half when um, when we get the inflation numbers that we need. And by the way, you know, we're probably a month, within a month of really hearing from the Fed that the inflationary problems that we're having are, are, are on, their, on the mend. Well, I can tell you, we already know that's happening. Um, we've had a few kinks chinks in the armor with uh with gas prices and the ukraine russia thing but we're we're we believe that we went into a housing recession last june and we believe we're coming out of it now so my advice is if you can afford it you got six months of reserves you should buy it you're not going to live with whatever interest rate you have for long and so if you wait you're going to miss out on the opportunity one you might miss out on that perfect home you think you have to have and two you're going to lose whatever home value appreciation that happens between now and when you do get back to it so you're just going to pay more for waiting. So I think people need to talk to people like us more so than the late night news or Google or wherever they get their sources from. 
There's only a handful of places that really, in my opinion, give great information. Nobody likes to read it. Barron's, The Economist, it's really boring stuff. But these are unbiased economists and people that have a vested interest in, in making the right calls. And uh, they're making the right calls. And I can promise you what I just said is going to happen. I mean, marry the house, date the rate. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's, a, that's a real popular a term right now. But from a financial standpoint, only if you've got the reserves and you can make the payments at a higher rate. Um, if you're not at that point right now, then wait. And they'll be at perfect house in a year or two years whenever you're ready. But you need, I think every borrower should have six months of rainy day expenses. God forbid they get sick or hurt or something happens. But to not buy a great investment because of interest rates when I'm telling you they're going to drop and they have so every time we've had this since 1950. Well, that's on you. I agree. You said something that is spot on. Everybody's watching world news or listening to national people talk about housing crises and or the market. My biggest thing with that is don't because everybody's market is very unique. Mm -hmm. So whenever I have people that are asking me, well, the market in California, well, I don't live in California. (laughs) I have no ties to California. I'm not a California licensed realtor. Now, North Carolina, I can tell you, I work in North Carolina. I'm a licensed North Carolina agent. I live in my specific area that I work and I have a ton of buyers from California, right. West Coast in general. Right. The, the world news might be telling you in general about as a whole what's happening with a country collaboratively, but talk about and learn about your individual market. People are like, your market's going to crash. Your market's going to crash. Well, we're not going to have another 08. I, I despise when people say that because right. we're not, it's not even the same ballgame. Yeah. It hurts so bad, though. They just they remember the sting. Yeah. Yeah. I get it, but knowledge is key. So I do feel like we need to re-educate that. It, it did hurt, but there were also a lot of different factors with that. Yeah. I mean, Interest-only loans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no income verification. Buying more house than you really can afford. Right. Yeah. And everybody gets a house. You get a house. You get a house. I mean, it was Oprah right there giving out cars. So <laughs> I get it, but it's not that way here. The, the housing market is not – my biggest challenge right now is people that are li- listening to these news outlets, and I'm not saying they're they're wrong in general. I'm just saying you have to worry and do your own legwork with your own specific oh, yeah. area you want to be in. In our specific area, North Carolina I'd say in general, but in our specific area, we have growth, and we, we are showing no signs of slowing down. When we, it's supply and demand, supply and demand. Well, and I think to, to echo on that comment, it is supply and demand, and it's just generally Econ 101. You think about it, you do need to know your market because people are leaving high-tax states and high-regulation states, but they're coming to our state, and you know we're growing as fast as any state in the country right now. In fact, I think we're in the top five of growth, and we I think you might have been in a meeting I was at last week where they said there'll be 3.5 or 3.7 more million more people here in the next 20 years than they are today. Yeah. So we better get ready for that growth. But when you've got that kind of supply and demand, an interesting one of the things, I'm still on our economic development team, even though I'm not, I, my last day in mayor was August. I still stayed on our San Fernando Growth Alliance exec team. And our job is to, you know, uh, bring prosperity to the community. So we're following um, the trends always, and we're looking at it. And we were told, and, I, and you've probably heard this, but your viewers would probably ought to understand about supply and demand. 
There are four states in the United States right now over the next 20 years that will have 50% of every job will be created in four states. 50% of every job, and that's North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and Texas. So we're one of four states that half the jobs in the next 20 years are going to be created in. Now, I don't see how houses can go down in value when you have that much demand and a supply chain that can't keep up. So if you are qualified and can afford it, you should buy it for that very reason. Now, if you're in California, you might need to make sure you're in the right location, you're in the right neighborhood, you're in the right price range. But here in North Carolina, it's not going to change. I think we'll get we'll catch up with our supply, but we'll never be, I don't know when we'll ever have more supply than demand. It's a great problem to have. Right. To live in a state like this. And so I don't know how you could say we're going to have a housing crash when you have those kind of numbers coming at us. I agree. Real estate's a great investment. And they, you know, if you have some, <laughs> it's a commodity that a lot of people don't have. Yeah, I, I just don't see our prices coming down. Yeah. Even if the interest rates are a little high, you might be paying a little bit well, more, but you're going to end up being— Even if they do, Kelly, and you're more of an expert at home prices, but even if they do come down temporarily, they're not—they're going to go back up. I yeah. mean, I don't think we're ever going to have a, a, a crash. It's just—it's not in the cards. We've done it too well. And from a lender's perspective, you're not getting a loan if you don't qualify for it. In 2008, you could get it's a liar so loan. You could get a stated income loan. You could, you could get away with a lot of things. One of the things that I think people don't like, like we talked about earlier, sometimes where you have the frustration is why do you have to ask so many questions and request so many documents so that we never go back to what happened to us in 2008? You're going to have to prove that you can repay this loan. It's all about the ability to repay. They want their money. Yeah, so we're probably, that's a good thing. They want their money, and we don't want to have a foreclosure. Right. No. And if we don't have those, we keep our prices high. So, Chet, what would be three tips that you would give to a consumer that's considering getting a loan right now in this current market? Sure. I, I think, uh, well, there's probably lots of tips we can give, but I think some of the top three would be, one, get pre-qualified early. I mean, do it before you even consider looking for houses. If you know you're going to buy one day soon, go ahead and get pre-qualified and let us help uncover any pitfalls you might have save so much time and agony later. And secondly, you know, start managing your credit debt really smartly. Um, don't max up your credit cards. You know, try to pay those down. Try to keep your credit score high. The higher your credit score, the better interest rate you're going to have, the easier approval you're going to have. And third, you know, I would, I would uh, definitely um, consult with a lender and a realtor at some point about what you, your expectations are and get those expectations set so that you come into this thing with a realistic view of what we can afford and what we want to do and where. And then I guess lastly, um, just do a good review. If you have a financial planner, I would recommend going and seeing them. And if you don't, I would recommend getting a financial planner. You don't have to be a wealthy person to use one. It doesn't cost to have a, a sit down. But I think having a financial dashboard, no matter what stage in life you are, is extremely important to making great financial decisions, especially buying a house. And we like to work side by side with people's financial advisors and planners. It just uh, it just makes makes us doubly sure that we're acting in the best interest of the client and how they're going to use their funds to buy a house, and that it that their goals match up with uh, what we think their goals are. Right. So I, I think those would be some of my top three. What would you say to somebody who probably has? Less than stellar credit, mm -hmm. mainly would live paycheck to paycheck. Okay. And 
they know they're paying more in rent than they could for a house payment, but they're scared. Well, I would say, first of all, don't be scared. And it's no badge of dishonor or shame to be in that situation. I would say to you, if you are a renter that wants to own a home, but there are reasons right now why you can't, you shouldn't be afraid. If you are motivated to buy a house and better yourself, we have never seen a client yet that couldn't become eligible to buy. So when you come to us, if you're not eligible today, our mission is to tell you how and when you can become eligible. And if a client, a family is motivated to actually make that happen, they don't really need me. They just need to do the plan. And we're happy to help them with the plan. I've never met anyone right now with bad credit that couldn't turn that around within a year, six months, sometimes three, two months, and become a homeowner. It's all about priorities and motivation. It's that easy to fix It is credit. that easy to change behavior if you truly want to. So don't be afraid. If you want to buy a house, you don't know how, you've got credit challenges, we can help you fix those. And is there a fee for somebody if they called and said, we want to fix our credit? Can you help There's us? never a fee to come in and talk to us about it to make an application to have us pull your credit. Um, if we choose the path of credit restoration, you may have to pay down debts as part of this plan. You may take your tax refund instead of buying a new phone. <laughs> you might would go out and pay down a credit card or a hospital bill, which hopefully that's going to be a part of the pass where you don't have to pay your hospital bills off to buy a house. But things like that is what we could recommend. So the cost comes in repairing your credit, but not paying us to tell you how to do it. Right. That's great advice. Yeah. All right. What are you working on to become better at your craft? That's a tough one, but a good question. Um, I'm always working on the customer experience, making it better. We're starting to see that um, we want to get rid of the uploads and the secure document transfers where customers have to send their documents. We want to make the experience fairly smooth and easy so it's automated. Okay. And that's the biggest thing we're working on. And then the other thing is just getting better at our scripts and getting better with uh, understanding and uncovering people's needs. We'll always be working on that. But the customer experience is what we're really focusing on at CMG. It's trying to make that whole experience seamless and a lot easier for customers to provide documents. Things like that are what we're working on to make it a much easier transaction. Yeah, yeah. that's good. So that's, our, that's the biggest way we can perfect our craft is to make it easier for the customer. I like that. Yeah, we got a lot of work to do, but we're doing better. Well, nobody likes producing paperwork Yeah, uh, in general. Yep. All right, and my favorite part of wrapping up a segment is oh called... Can't make this shit up. <laughs> you know, those stories, whenever you, you, somebody tells you a story and you're like, that did not happen. You're like, yeah, I can't make that shit up. So <laughs> what would be your um, can't make this shit up story? I'm sure you have had quite a few. We've had some doozies and, there, and some of them, I, I can't even hardly remember. Some of them I don't want to remember, but the most recent one we had, believe it or not, and it's, it's so funny that it happens all the time, but we had a transaction going on with a, uh, with a married couple. They were trying to buy a house, and before the appraiser even came to appraise the house, they somehow got into the house and started renovating it, tore out all the floors, just made a huge mess, violated every rule that you can't break before they even got their final or full approval, before we even have the appraisal in. So they've created a construction site. Well, when we brought that to their attention that this had to now be finished, she said, well, that's okay. I'm just going to buy another house with my boyfriend, of which her husband knew about. <laughs> and so we were like, you can't make this shit up. 
And so we had a married couple that had a boyfriend uh, that was known by all three. And when she began to buy a house and somehow started renovating that house without any permission, without any idea if she could close or not, when that got hard, she decided, well, I'm just going to throw in the keys here or, or quit this loan and go buy a house with my boyfriend, which she now can't afford because she's got another debt that's going to make it very hard for her to buy a house with somebody else. Did and you can't make this shit up. You cannot. Uh, I have so crazy. many questions yeah, here. Yeah, oh, we did too. Did they close <laughs> on that loan? They finally did. Okay, so just a little bit of free advice for anybody. You don't own that house until the deed is in your name. Yes. It's been recorded. Yeah. So you can't or shouldn't go in Even and if the seller lets you and you spend your money on it, it's not your house. Listen, I'm not going to lie. If I'm <laughs> selling a house and somebody's dumb enough to come in and start renoing my house, yeah. I'm probably going to let you. Yeah. I mean, because now you're doing the work I didn't want to do in the first place. So if the deal falls apart... That's your money. Well, and she was just going to run off with her boyfriend that her husband knew about. But that's just... <laughs> All right, you win. <laughs> that's our latest one. We've got more. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah, just uh, happened not long ago. <laughs> Dang, I wish I was their up. realtor. Can't make that shit <laughs> up. No, you don't, because you would have pulled your hair out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to end it on that note. Hey, yeah, that is a great way to end it. <laughs> I would like to thank everyone for listening to this episode of On the Real Estate Podcast brought to you by Adcock Real Estate Services. If you like the show, make sure to rate us, write a review, press the follow button and share to your networks. We do also want to make sure, Chet, that you tell us how people can find you, oh. where are, we will have um, your information, but Go ahead and give us a CMG phone number, yeah, email well, address. Thank you very much for that. We uh, I manage several offices, including one in Raleigh, and you can find us at 919-777-0114, or you can email teamchet at cmgfi.com, or go online and find all of us all of us on Instagram, Facebook, and all those other places that you go. We're um, easy to find Team Chet Mortgage at CMG Home Loans. And, Thanks for uh, having me on. This has been fun. Yeah, it has yeah. been. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. All right, friends. Thanks for listening to On the Real Estate. I'm Kelly Dubois. Bye. Bye.